Welcome to It's a Code World, your digital marketing podcast. This podcast will give you practical insights on how to better digitally market your business, be more organized, and get more customers. Hey, it's Tim Brown, and I am here talking with Jesse Meehan. How are you doing, Tim? We're going to be talking today about how to know when to hire and how to get qualified people into your small business. So first of all, I just want to just, you know, shoot the breeze with you. Jesse, how's it going? What, what, are, you, uh, what are you up to in your personal life right now? It's going well and uh, well into summer here in beautiful Minneapolis, the best time of year. Uh, both summer brings events, birthday parties, weddings, the whole nine. So it's been busy thus far, but the weather's nice, so I can't complain. How about you, Tim? Doing well. Uh, I haven't done a ton of summery stuff, just occasionally sit by the pool. I think that soaking up the sun, trying to de-thaw, the very core of me was frozen. I think last time we were talking, it was like the late. For some reason, just the winter was not going away. I believe there was about 10 inches of snow in yeah. April last time we may have spoke, so this is a, a lot better circumstance. <laughs> And if you're not in Minnesota, like we have like kind of ridiculous winters and, you know, you may have heard that before, but it's, it's when the winter just won't go away in the spring, but now we've got the summer and our summers are pretty much the most beautiful summers, I think, in all of the country. But of course I'm, you know, particular. A little biased, but I'm right there with you. You know, everyone talks about the winter, but about four or five months of the year, this is the best place in the country to live. Again, a little biased, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we're going to start, we're going to kick this off with uh, what are some tools to use to get more qualified employees? So, I'm going to start. First, I'm going to strongly suggest that you're using Facebook, the job posting feature, and using promoted job posts on Facebook. So actually putting some ad budget behind it. It's where the attention is to me. It's where the attention is and Facebook has a lot of attention. And then I'll, I'll let you do the second one. Yeah, uh, you know, there's a lot of great job posting websites out there. Uh, Indeed is one that I particularly like. There's a lot of qualified candidates, a lot of good candidates on there. Uh, my past firms and, and some of my clients have had a lot of success on Indeed. Uh, Monster is another one where, again, there's a lot of quality candidates out there. So if you know exactly what you're looking for, you're able to whittle down and find uh, traditionally a few good clients that will be perfect fits for your company. And no matter what you do, you're going to spend money here. I don't, I don't think it's um, unbeknownst to most people that they're going to have to spend some money to find qualified people, especially in this job market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%, 100%. You know, you get what you pay for. I know it's kind of a cliche, but in this industry, uh, it's definitely part of the the gig. You know, a lot of bigger companies are able to hire headhunters. Uh, A lot of small businesses won't be able to afford that, but there are ways that uh, you can spend a little bit of money to find the right candidates. And, you know, you also need to be aware that you need to compensate them fairly as well, because that's going to attract a much uh, wider market and a a wider net. So if you're thinking about this, From a spend standpoint, an actual headhunter or, you know, recruiting firms could could charge up to 25% of that person's salary the first year. So if we're talking about, you know, 80K salary or let's say 50K salary, we've got 
like a weird amount of money spent on um it's like 12k yeah about 12 12 you know you're talking about a lot of money so if you if you can spend less but still spend some on places like you know facebook indeed uh, and my third one is linkedin um I still think that this is, so we're in two different niches here. I'm in digital marketing and Jesse is in construction um, and construction administration. So we've got kind of this, you know, these two different markets that we're talking to, um, it, but it's about small business. And LinkedIn is a great place for small businesses to do their own headhunting and recruiting. I think LinkedIn and spending a little bit of money on promoted posts on LinkedIn is also great because people are in the mode of, of career just like they are on indeed and monster but their whole business model is not necessarily built on just those promoted job listings like indeed and, and monster are yeah a hundred percent i think that's a great point tim is indeed and monster as you touched on i mean those are specific for finding jobs whether you're an applicant or an employer where LinkedIn, uh, there's a, a lot of opportunity out there for people who don't even know they're looking for a job, seeing a promoted post, and realizing that your company might be a good fit. So I think that's a great, a great way to be um, fiscally uh, conservative, but also be able to get a handful of uh, potential applicants. Absolutely. I'm going to have you talk about Craigslist a little bit too. Yeah, Craigslist is another one. Uh, you know, that's one in the construction industry. Uh, used to be very popular with, with all industries to find uh, job opportunities on Craigslist. Uh, it's since changed a little bit, uh, but still in the construction industry, there's a lot of opportunity out there. Um, a lot of people who are just getting into the construction field may not have a resume, probably won't be on Indeed or Monster um, because they're just not at that point in their career. Um, a lot of laborers. So uh, Craigslist is one that I, I suggest a lot of our clients in the construction industry you know, take a look at and, and may be able to find some good uh, good employee, uh, employees on there. So this will go to a little bit of that overarching strategy that we'll be talking about in this podcast. You know, how do you find them and what do you hire for? Do you hire for raw ability? Do you hire for drive? Or do you hire for technical skills that they've already learned and perfected? Yeah, I think, I think that's a great point, Tim. And you know, something I always tell uh, small businesses that I work with is you've got to know exactly what you what you want. And I think Tim's points are great. Um, you know, a lot of times people will go into the hiring process wanting a position and maybe not a certain skill set. And then when they get through to uh, the interviewing phase, they're not exactly sure what they're looking for and they're not vet vetting their potential employees properly. Um, so that's something that's important is knowing specifically what you want, you know, do you want that technical aspect or do you just want someone who's going to commit to the training process and they're going to grow with your company. I think those are really important things that will uh, definitely set you up for success while trying to find a potential employee. Sure. And you've got this, this tendency for some people to think that they have to have the most technical savvy person. I think especially when you're... Um, you know, you've been doing it yourself for a long time and you're thinking to yourself, like somebody needs to be like me. Somebody needs to be really, really adept at all of these key skills in this process. 
And the truth is, if you started a business and you've started it from scratch and you did a lot of the late, like the work and the specific stuff on the way up, you may not be able to find somebody that has all that same stuff and the drive. So to me, sometimes it's about prioritizing those. And I would say, and this is maybe skipping a couple steps, but drive, drive, scrappiness, just working hard and going the extra mile. Being on time. Buying in. Yeah. Buying in. Those things, all that stuff to me is like the core of what I would hire for. Um, not always that they've perfected the details yet because every job is different. If you, even if you went to school for the exact thing or a trade school for the exact thing that I'm hiring for, you might have none of the soft skills. You might be, you might be relaxed at work too much. You might be just getting done 25% of the stuff you need to get done because you're not driven. You might, be te- you might be super technically savvy, but you're just not getting stuff done. And really when it comes down to it, especially if you're hiring for you know, the busy work or the labor, you need people that get stuff done. Yeah, it's undervalued in a lot of sectors. And, you know, speaking in any small business, you're exactly right. There may be someone who isn't as qualified a candidate on the technical aspects, but has that drive to learn, has that drive to be independent and not just follow direction and be able to implement new strategies for your company and help your company grow um, instead of just waiting for the next task. You know, I've worked with people, and I'm sure we all have, who come to me and say, I already got that done, what next? I already got that done, what next? And, and it's just too dependent on me um, where, where uh, other employees or a lot of employees that I look for are people who are gonna look for ways to grow the company, look for tasks to do. Um, and that's no different, again, in the construction industry with laborers. You know, you want people to show up on time, you want them to be reliable, you want them to do good work. And if, if they don't have that drive and if they're not gonna get, uh, you know, they're gonna get a quarter of what you wanted them to get done in a day, then that's gonna hurt your company and slow your growth. So, you know, the state of the job market in digital marketing is, is pretty good. Um, it's a, it's a employees market. Um, it's a, what salary do I want market? And what perks do I want market? So how about for the state of the construction job market? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the employees being able to pick and choose. It's, it's um, you know, guys getting picked off one crew to join another to get paid a little more. Um, and that's, that's put the, the employers and a lot of construction companies and contractors, general contractors, in a really tough position because they're trying to grow, but they're not having enough crews, enough employees that they can trust to help them grow. Um, and that's something that, that is going to continue for a while. I know there's been a big... Um, there's been a big push for more tradesmen out there, HVAC, electrical, um, plumbing, uh, contracting in general. Um, and until that next wave comes, if it comes, uh, employers and general contractors are going to continue to have a tough time growing. Absolutely. You know, we talked about this before the podcast, but I think of it as like, you're not just selling the salary. You're not just selling the fact that they're joining your company although if you have good branding and you look good on social media that stuff does help you can't think in this market that people don't look for a company that makes them look good when they're you know 
um, looking for work. But it's also about the training, right? Um, it's also about making sure that they're, they feel like this is part of a broader career, right? Um, I would say, from what I can tell from the construction market, and we work with a number of construction companies, and this is the biggest thing besides marketing, you know, from, that I see and I hear them talk about it, is like, dang, man, it's hard to find the right people. And so it's not just that people don't exist, right? Because there's humans, mm -hmm. and there's people without jobs or that are that have very low employment that could come up. It's, I need the right people. Why don't they exist? Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. If that's how you feel, you got to make the right people. You got to make them. You got to build them. And because if they don't exist, they don't exist. They're either well employed and they'd cost way too much money to hire them off of somebody else. Um, or they're so low on the totem pole that you don't think you could make them into a good employee. They don't have any skills. They're not even, you know, they're not even good material to build something out of. You gotta find the ones that are just above that, that are have decent material to build with. <laughs> so how do you spot somebody with great work ethic? I think it goes to your point about drive. I think it's knowing what you want and realizing that that person who's an expert craftsman isn't gonna be available for $15, $20, you know, or whatever you're trying to pay someone. So you're gonna need to spot that person with great work ethic. When you vet them, you're gonna need to see them have that drive. You're gonna ask them the questions that are gonna make you comfortable, that they're gonna show up every day and they're gonna be eager and willing to learn new trades to improve on what they already know and to really rise in the company. And I think that's, to your point, the, the perfect um, attribute that I look for a lot of times to tell my guys look for what you mentioned earlier, that drive and that work ethic. So what are some signs you need to hire? So there's, you know, in the construction industry or in any industry, it's really about growth. It's really, um, you know, an entrepreneur, we talked about this on the last podcast, it's a badge of honor to work those 12 hour days, but eventually any entrepreneur needs to look themselves, you know, in the mirror and realize that they're wasting time at, at times, you know, when they're spending 12 hours a day, you know, they could be doing instead of administrative work or, or cheaper labor, they're doing, they could be doing um, more important growth for the company, more important work to grow the company. Um, if they're uh, 150 bucks an hour, like value, and they're doing $20 an hour work, they're stealing from the company. They're stealing $130 an hour. Be, <laughs> yeah. you, should be, you should be ashamed of yourself. Don't think of it as a, a badge of honor. Think of it as you're stealing from the company and you're not, you don't just have you know, a responsibility to yourself. If you, if you believe in your company, you have a responsibility to make sure that that company is profitable and successful. And we're talking, you know, in your example or in any example, thousands of dollars a month. Yeah. You know, when you could be out selling the business and you're sitting at home invoicing or putting mailers, you know, flyers together and putting them in envelopes and putting stamps on them, stuff like that. Again, when you're starting a company, that's something you need to do. But so for you, that's, that's something that Jesse's company handles, um, the administrative side, so the invoicing, helping you get up on the right software as needed and things like that. Um, and on my side, 
this is the mid the mid podcast pitch, but we've got companies where the guy's spending a hundred hours trying to figure out how to make a, a website and do what he wants. And oftentimes poorly. You yeah. Know? And just when you can send it to a professional and you know save money and yeah. save time and have a much better website. Yeah, and there's there's just something about professionalism and recognizing you do what you do well and you wouldn't expect your customers to try to do that with any level of success. You, you, you totally respect the fact that they've hired you, right? Because they hired a professional. It's the same with us in, in our industry and, and making sure that you're not spending that time doing stuff that you suck at. Yeah, and with, with my firm, Headwaters Contractor Resources, I know we touched on, we handle back ops and admin, and we're really, we're really clear with potential clients in the construction industry. If they're making under 250000 maybe 500000 gross a year, they probably won't need us. They might have one or two crews already out there doing a couple jobs at a time, and they're able to be more hands-on with their job, maybe spend an hour or two at night or an hour during the day uh, helping grow their company. But once they get to that point of maybe 500000 maybe 250000 for some, and they're swimming in it, they have four or five jobs, four or five crews and can't keep up. That's where our services have been most needed and we've helped clients continue to grow by kind of taking that off their plate and again, taking that 15 to $20 an hour work off their plate, providing more, you know, more help while they continue to grow the company, sell new jobs. And then eventually, you know, and we're, we're very clear with our clients, our services won't be needed anymore. When they get to that 2 million, 2.5 million, they need three or four people in-house, 40 hours a week, handling each aspect of their business. And we oftentimes kind of pass the torch there and augment our services with their new hires and help train them, help get them ready, help update them on their systems. And then we kind of take a backseat role and they continue to grow with the team in place. This is why you and I are such good uh, people to you know be hanging out together because we're around the same, you know, our, our companies that we're working with are around the same sizes. Um, there is a certain point where you may want to have an internal marketing team. It might be a little higher than that as far as revenue. It could be 15 million in some cases, but um, the great part about even beyond that, I'd say um, up to probably 50 million, you, you probably don't have specialists. They have to be generalists as marketers in their in their company. So we're specialists in making websites more effective. So we're not doing any print or brochures or anything like that. And that's you know that's one thing about you know outside uh, firms is that you can hire specialists. How can you find qualified people? So that's what everybody tells me. They say I'm hiring, and you say, Well, I know how. Uh, you do this, this, and this. You post it on these three websites, and they're like we've done that. We got 50 applicants. What's the problem? Qualified. They, they say it again. Qualified. Well, that might be a situation where you have to lower the standard a little bit. Or, what are your suggestions for qualified? You know, that's, that's a good point. You see it a lot of times. We've all seen it when we've been job hunting ourselves or trying to find jobs. You know, they, they put the qualifications in the Indeed post and it's five years of experience and three years in this specific field, but they're targeting someone in their you know, low 20s or someone you know, who's just entering that job market. And it makes it pretty difficult for, for the, the potential employee to meet those qualifications at that pay scale. So 
You know, it goes back to a lot of what we talked about earlier, and I don't want to rehash everything, but it's it's finding the it's knowing exactly what you want, knowing the type of characteristics you want, knowing your culture as a company, um, and then trying to find people who kind of match as many of those um, qualifications as you really want. It's finding the maybe someone who knows something about in your, you know, in your market, you know, digital website design, um, you know, but. Maybe they're just fresh in the industry, they know a little bit, but they have the drive to learn more and want to grow with the company. Um, I think there's other ways to do it. I mean, in the, in the construction field, uh, you know, you always got to be careful mixing kind of friendships with business. But, you know, a lot of your colleagues, a lot of your subcontractors for general contractors, uh, a lot of, um, you know, other tradesmen will have people they've worked with in the past and might give you good referrals. Um, and that goes a long way in this industry. You know, if you know someone uh, who you trust who, who refers uh, someone to help out, I think that, you know, again, that can go a long way in the industry and might, might set you up for success down the road. Uh, so, you know, what is, so I remember when I was first starting in my industry and the company said, we care very much about culture. And cultural fit is super important. It scared the shit out of me. I was like, I'm not that cultured. I don't know what they mean by that. I'm scared. I did figure out what it meant after some time, which is you want to have the same general principles, right? And you want to get along with people. That's all it means, right? You want to have good principles and get along. Um, you know, how do you determine that cultural fit uh, when you're trying to hire? I think it's what you touched on. You know, it's those values, it's those principles, um, it's it's the personalities that are already in your office. Um, you but know, how do you know? How do you know what these people's? How do you know what their cultural fit is? Like, how do you get that out of them? You know, a lot of times, unfortunately, uh, you know, you, you try your hardest and the, the applicants might give you the answers that they think you want to hear and it might work and you bring them on and you find out they're not cultural fits. But a lot of times you just need to ask the right questions and, you know, hope, hope the applicant's answering them honestly. Again, you know, if you're in a company for a long time, you know the culture. You know, if you're in a small company, a lot of times it's like into a family. And, and Tim, you know this, I know this, you know, we work with a lot of clients who know this. Um, small companies when there's four or five people in the office it uh, it gets pretty you know it gets pretty tight and it can be a little testy but at the end of the day you guys work closely you know 10 12 hours a day um, and it's important that you bring the right people in so and it's not always that like they have to be perfectly friendly or anything like no that. no not it's, at all it's more along the lines of like if there is a little bit of confrontation occasionally in the office and you, you better watch that if you got a lot <laughs> but um if there is some, and it's a little contentious at times, they need to be able to be okay with that. That's right, you know, and be calm in those situations, or, you know, if they get frustrated, apologize after, and be able to move on quickly. Because again, in a small, growing company, uh, a lot of people wear a lot of hats, and, and things can get contentious, and, you know. And clients, customers as well. Clients and customers, there's always issues, right? There's, no matter what business you're in, there's things that come up that, for them, it didn't feel ideal. So it's figuring out how, how they deal with that and what the response is when there's something negative that happens, right? So if, if, you know, if a client is 
And sometimes it's not always clearly negative. But if a no. client is, you know, has an issue or is kind of pushing back, doesn't mean you always have to give. You know, and I kind of want you to touch on this real quick just because I know it's something that we talked about before the podcast, but you need to actually charge for change orders and things like that. How, how do you deal with that? Like as a, as a new client, let's say, or a new customer, excuse me, um, who's making changes in the process, like how do you, you have to talk them through that? People need training. How do you deal with that? They, they shouldn't just give away services whenever a client or a customer says, I need, I need, I need. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's not how you run a profitable business. So where is that line? How do you handle it? And how do you smile through it? Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's a thin line. Uh, like you said, where is that line? It's, it's always kind of tiptoeing that line because a lot of clients or customers that we speak with are worried and a lot of a lot of small business owners in general are worried when they hire from like ours or hire someone outside that they're going to try to change that company culture that they're going to tell the business owner what to do and that's not our goal and that's you know that's not our responsibility but you know there is a sense of training we try to put in better processes and procedures for those companies and owners need to be receptive to that you know it, the owner needs to acknowledge where some of their faults are, where some of their immediate needs are, and then we come in there and change it. And like you said, we'll have to put a smile on our face, but we'll we'll have to be very blunt at times and say, hey, you're losing thousands of dollars by not charging these change orders. That's not gonna happen anymore. You know, you're gonna use this software, you're gonna write these down, I'm gonna do it myself, whatever we need to do, because that's what they brought us in for. And when you hire, just back to this key, the core topic here, when you hire, you have to kind of talk through that with the, with the employee too. It's being positive about your customers because you wouldn't exist without them, but also saying this is where the line is and we do have to remain profitable. And this is how we remain profitable, which is, and this is how you keep your job, yeah. <laughs> by making sure to write down these change orders when something actually changes. Um, and then... I think the biggest piece, and I'm, I'm going to kind of outro with this, is just about selling that vision. It's about telling this, uh, the, the new employee where, they're, where the possibility could go. If they're a new salesperson, if they're a new technician or you know, worker, if they're labor, if they're administrative, whoever it is, what could it look like two or three years from now if everything goes right and, and yeah. yeah sorry sorry to interrupt but you know i just was thinking it's you're exactly right it's about selling the business a, a small business can grow with a great product it's going to grow quicker with great employees and i think that's the most important thing that companies need to realize and and you hit the nail right on the head there it's selling the vision and it's growing with the people in place. Most small businesses become successful because they get employees they can trust to grow with the company, um, and then they'll be able to train employees under them, and so on and so forth. And I don't think it's of absolute importance for you to try to lock down people for crazy amounts of time. I do think it's good to say that you have a goal of keeping them for three years or whatever it happens to be, Um, but also thinking about you know, this is opinion now. I don't know that this is absolute gospel or anything like that, but I think it's like Elsa saying, this is the role that you'll be stepping into over the next two or three years, and this is how that role would help your career independently from our company. Here's what that could look like for you. 
So there's the selling the role within the company, and here's the vision for how you could be compensated and what your, your role would look like, how cool it could be. But it's also, this is what your job title will be by that point, and that is very marketable in the broader um, industry. Because not everyone's gonna stick around for 10 years and 20 years. And actually, in this, in this day and age, with the types of things that are out there, and the, it's a lot quicker for people to move mm -hmm. around five years, three years, two years. I don't think it's good to hire people for one year. I think that that's kind of a waste, it's a lot of work. Yeah, I, I haven't thought a lot about that. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a good point. You know, it's Not that you want to view your firm as a stepping stone firm yeah. by any means, but it's not bad to be honest about that and say, yeah. hey, this, you know, we want you to stick around for a while. We think it's a great opportunity. Yeah. But hey, at the end of the day, we're going to train you, and maybe down the road you'll be able to find other opportunities besides us, and we can you know find other employees or you know however it shakes out. And that skill, that and that set of skills that you're training into people are extremely valuable. And that's why I like having like a soft kind of commitment from people. Um, and I think that it's good to think about that. But you have to actually be that kind of company that actually um, spends the time with the employee or has your key people spending time with lower level employees because those are the types of jobs where you can actually become something better and that's that's how you get people if you know you're going to become better at that job you know you're going to be able to make more money in five and ten years if you know that you're going to have a deeper set of skills in five or ten years that's how you, that's how you really attract people and if you really don't have that in your company, if you're not thinking about that for your employees, it might be time to be thinking that way. To be thinking of what do we have in place that's going to make our employees better in five years? Not just our company better, but our employees. Yeah, we, you know, we talked about how to get employees, how to find employees, but I think how to keep employees is just as important and investing that time like you're touching on is, is, is so crucial. and to express that in an interview to attract the right people. I think that's a great great opportunity for companies to learn that. It's not just finding them, it's investing in them, it's helping them grow and it's preparing them. It is gonna be a lot easier to find them too. If you are doing that to your existing yeah. client, your existing um, employees, if, if you are giving them opportunities to grow, encouraging them, sharing information with them, occasionally maybe letting them go to a conference or something like that. If you do that kind of stuff it comes out in the job posting and in, mm -hmm. you know you write it down in the job posting it's, it's right? the you, say, you say all the perks in the job posting and in that interview you're saying well we do this this and this you might not think that those things matter but um i think that employees that are qualified these days are really looking for stuff like that they're it's, looking for that little extra it's a culture you know that we touched on earlier that's that's one aspect of the culture and it and it shows, like you said. I mean, it comes out in the job posting. It comes out with your current employees. Your current employees are trying to recruit people they know who are qualified. It, it, it's, it's a great point. So, you know, what's the future of the job market? And you can talk directly about the construction job market. And I'll just touch briefly on, you know, my perspective on digital, too. Yeah, in the construction market, uh, you know, it's, there's been a big push lately, especially with um, you know college getting more and more expensive and student loans piling up, that a lot of people are pushing um, 
younger younger people out of high school into more trade-oriented businesses, and construction is one of those. Again, I mentioned uh, HVAC, which is heating, uh, venting, and air conditioning, ventilation, and air conditioning, um, electrical, plumbing, and general contracting. Uh, so hopefully we're going to see a boom in this market where there's going to be a lot more labor uh, out there. Um, with that being said, the short term doesn't look great for employers. Uh, it's still going to be kind of a struggle to find that that right employee who's going to help your company grow. Um, you know, but that's going to be the nature of the business right now. So it's just about you know finding the right um, employees, holding on to them, compensating them fairly, creating that culture, investing in them. Um, you know, and hopefully down the road there'll be an influx in more potential candidates. Yeah, and just as a transition to that, like obviously the job market in general seems to be doing pretty well, um, but the, you know, and small businesses are going to have to compete. You got to compete, and you have to sell those intangibles. You know, the bigger companies might be able to wield a bigger salary and opportunity there. You have to sell those intangibles because you maybe can't offer that kind of salary. But a lot of people don't want to work for a corporation. A lot of people don't want to work for these giant companies because they know the quality of life is lower in that experience. Um, so sell the intangibles and we've got, you know, the digital market, digital marketing in, in my industry, it's, it's, um, I'd say blowing up, but everybody wants like better qualified candidates. So um, as an employee or a prospect in that way, it just means specialize and get really good at one thing. And as an employer, it means, I think, hire for drive, just the same way as we talked about um, earlier. Um, that being said, I just want to give people an opportunity to find you online. So where can they go and see your information about your company? Yeah, the company is Headwaters Contractor Resources. The website's hwcresources.com. That's H is in Henry, W is in William, C is in Cat, resources.com. And do you guys have social? Not yet. Not yet. We're working on it. All right. Next podcast, you don't have social. I'm just, I'm going to kick you out. <laughs> um, just kidding. So you can check us out at hookagency.com. And of course, we're a digital marketing agency. So we've got all this stuff. It's uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter slash hookagency. And, you know, check out Headwaters for any of your administration needs. And check out our site for any of your, your marketing needs. And we hope that you join us next time on It's a Code World. You can see the podcast notes um, at hookagency.com slash podcast dash 23. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Tim. You've got the words to change a nation, but you're biting your tongue. You spent some lifetime stuck in silence, afraid you'll say something wrong. If no one ever hears it, how are you going to learn yourself? So come on, come on, come on, come on, you gotta. Join us next time for It's a Code World, bringing you experts in digital marketing and helping small to mid-sized businesses be more professional. It means the world to us if you could take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes at hookagency.com slash iTunes.